Welcome to Seeking Alpha's Wall Street Breakfast, your daily source of market news and analysis. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Welcome to Seeking Alpha Editor's Roundtable, what moved markets this week, the week ending Friday, August 13th, 2021. Yes, Friday the 13th, but it was a quiet week, middle of summer, dog days of summer, subdued volumes, and stocks still managed to make some gains as we record this. Uh, S&P and Dow are up for the week. NASDAQ might be down a bit at the time of this recording. Uh, introduce my co-panelists here in no particular order. I am joined by Brad Olison, VP of News. Yes, he's back. Kim Khan, Senior News Editor. And Stephen Alfer, Managing Editor of Breaking News. I am Nathaniel E. Baker, Managing, I'm sorry, Senior Editor of Strategic Contributors. I almost gave myself a raise there. And a promotion. But um, anyway, let's start it off with a big picture as we normally do with Kim Khan. Well, this week uh, was mostly about inflation. Um, yeah, the CPI and PPI coming out um, type of numbers that are getting kind of enthusiasm that's normally reserved for the um, payrolls data, just because it's, it's such a hot topic right now and coming even a political topic. Unfortunately, it didn't clear up, the numbers didn't clear up the picture that much. Cooler and than expected on the retail side, hotter than expected on the wholesale side. Um, if you're in the transitory camp, you like the fact that these hot sectors like used cars and um, airfares fell sharply. Um, if you're in the persistent inflation camp, you're, you're pretty concerned about owner equivalent rents showing like strong rises. So, um, you know, the market kind of took it a bit in stride and kind of grinded higher than, as you said, like the Dow and S&P doing better in a kind of rising rate environment. Um, and rates were, were steadily going up as well until today when they just got a sudden blindsided by this consumer sentiment number that was out that was much lower than expected. Mm, interesting. Yeah, I think we'll, we'll talk about a, that a little more later, but let's first get into the winners and losers with Brad. Welcome back, Brad. Great, great to be back. Um, and, and I guess just to kind of continue on, on Kim's line of reasoning prior to today, he's right. Yes, we were in a, a rising yields environment. I think that went that goes alongside the strengthening reflation trade that, that we've been talking about on this program for quite a few weeks. Cyclicals were big gainers, obviously in a rising rate environment. Financials also went out. Uh, materials also got a boost. And along with some industrial names as well, we can't forget there was the infrastructure bill that was passed with bipartisan support earlier this week. It seemed to have been overshadowed with a lot of different pieces of news from earnings. For example, value names obviously go along with that. So value and momentum, which are one and the same actually just recently and over the past couple of months, they didn't normally overlap, uh, but they they do share a lot of uh, similarities in, in recent days. And, and some of the growth names actually kind of suffered. Uh, the price action over the past couple of weeks has actually led JP Morgan's Kolonovic to, to say the bottom has been set for yields and for cyclicals. So if, if you're if, if you're an investor in any of those names, then that's something to keep out for. Although who knows what today's picture might 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 do for 
uh, for that forecast. As, as far as the individual winners and losers, uh, we like like I just previously mentioned, we do have that infrastructure bill that led to a lot of strength in names like Jacobs Engineering, uh, which is just a general kind of construction contractor, United Rentals, obviously going to be a beneficiary of construction equipment and other um, items, Nucor, uh, also a big gainer there. Um, as far as the losers, earnings were a big part of that, Perigo was down over over 10% uh, on their results. They're, they're a, uh, a generic drug maker. Micron and, and the chip names were, were the biggest losers, right? So Micron, Micron had a fireside chat earlier this week where they, they cautioned investors about their supply chain that prompted a lot of them, uh, many members of the street to, to get, give them a downgrade and also issue some weakness along with the other chip names. So uh, Western Digital, uh, LAM Research, KLA Core rounded up some of the other weaker names um, just on an individual uh, basis. Now, even though we are talking about the losers, I think it's important to mention that at least as far as macro strategists are concerned, the street is overwhelmingly positive. Uh, no surprise, obviously, as we did grind higher, as Kim just mentioned, um, you know, a lot of bullishness on the street. Credit Suisse raised their S&P earnings forecast, citing a massive underestimation of earnings figures that we saw during this past earnings season. They jumped out to put a, a $5,000 target on the S&P for 2022. Uh, Citigroup is also supportive of EPS growth. They cited some of the more macro factors underlying the economy, notably the senior loan officer survey. Uh, which pointed to strong industrial activity and capital expenditures in the private sector, which they sh say should be supportive of equities. And UBS um, basically just put a, a finer point on it, saying the reflation trade is back um, and citing mostly in particular that jobs report. But the the, the recent data today uh, will be interesting to see how that trickles through the rest of the uh, market over the coming few days. Yeah, although one could certainly make the point that all the sell side bullishness is a contrarian indicator <laughs> to be scared. You would say that, wouldn't you? I would, yes. Somebody has to. Um, and if it wasn't going to be me, then Stephen. But Stephen, what do you think about all this? Uh, yeah, I'll just, I'll try to have some positivity on inflation. And again, I've said before, I, uh, I'm happy to sit here and trash the Fed. It's enjoyable and all that. But right now, I'm still giving them the benefit of the doubt with the transitory uh, language. Uh, the core rate of inflation year over year actually slipped a bit in July. It fell to 4.3% for 4.5%. It was better than expectations. Uh, so maybe, you know, maybe there's some good news ahead kind of on that front. Although uh, Kim mentioned that airline fares were down uh, in July, according to the CPI, and anybody who's flying knows that's to be, that's completely farcical. Airline fares are, are absolutely going through the roof uh, and continue to go through the roof. But what I have my eye on, uh, I haven't talked about Bitcoin in a couple of weeks. Um, Bitcoin suffered a big regulatory setback in Washington. Uh, there's some language in the infrastructure bill that's kind of very negative for the cryptocurrency industry, at least in the U.S. There would have been hope that the, uh, the Yellen treasury would be a little friendlier towards Bitcoin than the Mnuchin treasury. And that, that's proving not to be the case of anything there. It's even worse. Clearly, if you're a senior level official in Treasury, or if you're senior level at the SEC, you're either coming from Goldman Sachs or JP Morgan, or you want to return to Goldman Sachs or JP Morgan, or you want to get a job in the future at Goldman Sachs or JP Morgan. And, and um, so there's a kind of entrenched bureaucracy, I think, that, that's you know, going to be difficult, going to give the cryptocurrency industry a hard time. But on the other hand, uh, the price rallied. And you know, we sat here during May and June. Uh, noting that Bitcoin just 
fell every time there was the slightest bit of negative news and it didn't, re didn't react positively to good news. This week, Bitcoin rallied in the face of, of fairly negative news. So maybe, you know, maybe that pretends kind of an end to the, the bear market, at least in the price of Bitcoin. Interesting on that uh, cynical view on society, Steve. No one wants to work at banks anymore, right? You know, that's why we're raising wages for all the junior bankers. But I think they are trying out for the speaker circuit. I think that's where the real money is. It's no longer at Goldman and JP Morgan. Right. Well, you know, I didn't get into what Janet Yellen did for the two years before she joined Treasury. But mm. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe they can all get partly paid in crypto like Lionel Messi. Yeah. Uh, now you're bringing soccer into this. Premiership starts this weekend, but let's stay on topic here. Starts today. Actually, going going back real quick to the, the inflation reports, um, consumers, one thing, but we also had producer prices this week, and those were, and that's more of a forward indicator, a leading indicator than the than the CPI, and those were a little more disconcerting, but this you know, Wall Street just kind of shrugged it off. The market just kind of shrugged it off. Uh, any thoughts on that? I was, yeah, I was going to say it was it's kind of a balance, you know, because the CPI came in a little cooler than expected. So, I mean, they kind of, they kind of canceled each other out a bit. Fair enough. Yeah, and, and our, you know, PPI is, is different than CPI. You know, it, we could say that might eat into company profits. It doesn't necessarily always pass through into inflation. So, yeah, I mean, I if know. anything, we, we have noted lots, lots of different on these earnings calls and the transcripts that our readers can, can access uh, for free. There's a ton of, valuable context around inflationary pressures. Not that it's flying through the roof, but just notably that the many companies are noticing it. It is real. Um, but how long it lasts, I think, is the question. And I think we definitely are seeing some of the supply constraints were a big part of it, as opposed to just inflation for the sake of inflation. All right. Okay, let's move on to the next segment of the show where we discuss our favorite Seeking Alpha articles, news stories, tweets, or other things that caught our interest. Why don't we start with Kim? Well, I want to talk about AMC, who um, this past week answered the question, why don't you give an earnings call and no analyst came? Because <laughs> basically the analysts have waved the white flag on, on you know, their models for this stock because it's being driven by the, the AMC ape army and not in any way by fundamentals. They can't really value it. You know, they'd all have a kind of sell on it. So they've all kind of gone and kind of neutral and they're not asking questions of the call either. It's the, the ape army that's asking the question. So I would, as Brad mentioned, we have the transcripts on Seeking Alpha. I would really recommend reading through the, the earnings call tr transcript of AMC because you get questions like, you know, will you make, you know, your logo a gorilla? <laughs> and can we get a GameStop inside an AMC? which is something actually CEO Adam Aaron said he is considering or trying to do some deal with, with GameStop. And, uh, and the only thing he really shut down was a return to drive-in movies, the saying the economics doesn't work there. But overall, it's, yeah, you get a, a, a very different kind of earnings call. Mm, all right. Yeah, entertaining times indeed. Uh, uh, Brad, what about you? Just pick up on that uh, AMC, just given the, the whole meme trading frenzy. We haven't talked about that for, for, you know, a few weeks, but I think we did see, yes, there's some, still some craziness going on within the meme world, but I think we did see a little bit of a return to normalcy. So as normal as it can be under these circumstances, AMC beat, right. Which I think we should be, should we be expecting it? Probably you have a, you know, low expectations. You had the economy reopening during the latest quarter, uh, right? This was before the Delta variant started rearing its ugly head in the U.S. So AMC beat, was successful, 
that was normal and everything seemed to, to make sense. Yeah, another big meme stock, Context Logic, the ticker symbol there is Wish. They missed big. They got a lot of downgrades and their shares are paying the price. So uh, that's just kind of an interesting thing that even though these are meme and meme stocks and they're somewhat impervious to fundamentals, the fundamentals were at least on display temporarily um, with, within the, the stock market reactions, um, at least at the beginning. And, and notably the article that I found Great was was one of Kim's earlier this this week when he highlighted a note from BTIG that noted that the meme craze is altering reality um, and they saw a case for 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 going back to 1999 when lots of stocks were divorced from fundamentals usually when you have rising volatility that portends weakness in the coming you know near to medium term however they say that that may not be the case uh, given where the the meme craze has gone. Namely, that as volatility rises, that may actually be a case for stocks to continue to rise um, and even further squeeze higher. Um, so even though they were generally, I guess, cautious or at least neutral on stocks, they did see a potential for the S&P to, to shoot rather quickly higher, given the, given all the, the issues within the meme fad. All right. All don't right. quote me on the fad. I'm not sure. I don't, I don't want to call it a fad. I don't want to attract the ire of, of, of any of our listeners. It may yeah, be long term. Maybe you wouldn't want that. Maybe. All right, Stephen. Uh, this morning's University of Michigan Consumer Sentiment Survey for August uh, plunged to seventy, all against ex from eighty-two previously. It was expected to rise a little bit. Uh, the survey of future expectations plunged all the way to sixty-five versus eighty-five expected. The chief economist from University of Michigan, or whoever does the survey, called it a stunning loss of confidence. And it's as real time of an economic indicator as we have. We were talking about inflation before. Well, that's a July number. Uh, this is a number. This is a survey that's taken, you know, within the last few days. So obviously, there's 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 plenty of reasons. Uh, the Delta variant was was given by by their economist as you know we're starting to see mass mandates are coming back and talk about vaccine passports and um, I know in Philadelphia there's a mass mandate has returned and. And then you have the inflation numbers, uh, the higher gasoline prices. So it's all kind of going into a real big plunge in consumer sentiment, even as the economy and the stock market continues to kind of chug along. Uh, I'll pass along a personal note. I was at like the Home Depot, the local one here, the, electro the electric section, looking for an electronics part. Uh, it literally looked like those photos you see of Venezuela. I mean, there's like the shelves are empty. Now, There's a right. few like picked over items there. And, uh, you know, you sort of see that stuff and you read, read the headlines and it, it sounds a bit dystopic and, and uh, it can lead to a loss in confidence, I guess. It can, but if that's all because of supply chains or it's not because of lack of demand that's happening, right? I mean, I had the same experience this week at the grocery store. A lot of things were out of stock. You know, they were, they, the things were in the wrong place. You know, they can't hire people. They can't keep people. But... I don't know. I mean, that's not really a, 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 an issue with consumer confidence, is it? I think it just all adds up. I mean, it's a consumer sentiment survey. You know, how do you yeah. feel about things? And like, you know, you just found out your school board voted mask mandates and, uh, you know, you can't go into a restaurant without a mask again after you kind of, you kind of got used to a summer of doing it. And you, you read all about the rising hospitalizations and all that. And you're just like, and then you go fill up your gas tank and you're like, well, things aren't, aren't as good as I thought they were two weeks ago. Yeah, fair enough. And, and we haven't mentioned it, but the 10-year yield uh, coming in a bit, it was up to one, 137 earlier this week, and now it's down to 130. So it looks like there was maybe a little bit of and, risk and I off. Think, 
to, to bring this back to, to, to the markets, right? I think the Delta variant has been concerning for a few weeks and I think the market was kind of holding firm. And um, we can look back at, at Scott Godlieb's comments earlier this week, right? He's been the preeminent voice on um, of, of reason, I guess you could say in some cases, um, depending upon your, your point of view. He just indicated recently that this could be the final wave. Um, you know, all of the, the, the scientists did indicate that there would be multiple waves of this pandemic. And so it wasn't a one and done situation. We're seeing that bear out. Um, he seems to think that this is basically the final hurrah, uh, but between this finally infiltrating the, the last corners of, I guess, U.S., U.S., I guess, states that between people previously infected and vaccinations, it'll be really, really difficult for this to to kind of re resurge again. So I guess, you know, that might be what the market's looking for, looking ahead um, this week. And that's why we continue to, to hit fresh highs. Potentially. And for me, I would be remiss if I didn't bring up 1989. Uh, mentioned 1999. It's all fun and games. So we talk about 1999. Uh, actually, it's all fun and games. So we talk about 1929. But I want to bring up 1989 because that is the year that Field of Dreams the movie was released in theaters. For some reason, it took Major League Baseball 32 years to come up with uh, this idea to have an actual game in a cornfield in Iowa. It was a big hit, which one would think might be good on the one hand, but I think it's more an indication of just how little imagination the folks in the entertainment industry have these days if they're drawing on things like this. All of the, what was the last time we had a new superhero? All of these films are prequels. They had to do a, they did something on Cruella de Vil from that 100 Dalmatians, for God's sake. You know, that was the latest big Disney movie. And Disney, by the way, nobody's mentioned it, beat earnings big time and one of, one of the major winners this week. But add it all up and uh, one has to question whether this entertainment industry, as it's presently constituted, has staying power. Well, if you want imagination, there's free guy. What's that? It's an upcoming movie with Ryan Reynolds. I think it was shelved during the pandemic, but um, a nice little take on video games and, and otherwise. I think oh, it's yeah. Yeah, a, I did see that. Yeah. Just kind of one of these, you know, we, we talk about the lack of originality. You could argue that's a little original. Fair enough. Fair All enough. is not lost. We maybe not. Yeah, maybe not. be a completely cynical program. There needs to be hope. Fine. A bit of barometer for the, for the movie industry because it's not coming out on streaming. It's just in theaters and it's an original concept. You know, no reboot or anything. So I'm guessing no one's going to show up. But Yeah. Anyway, that's where we are this week. Thank you for being with us this Friday the 13th. Hope it was a good week for you. And I hope you have a good weekend. Reminder that you can find this video on the website seekingalpha.com slash videos. And the podcast airs on Saturday morning uh, starting at 6.30 a.m. You can get that through the Wall Street Breakfast podcast account on any podcasting software. And with that, we thank you once again for being with us and look forward to speaking to you again next week. That concludes today's Wall Street Breakfast. Thank you for listening. For the best investment analysis and news on the web, go to SeekingAlpha.com. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. You can sign up for our other podcasts, Behind the Idea, Essay for FAs, Let's Talk ETFs, the Cannabis Investing Podcast, and Marketplace Roundtable on those platforms as well. Have a great day.